welcome to the Tales of the Cold North. Our recap of our adventures in our Dungeons and Dragons campaign featuring members of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. Welcome back to Tales from the Cold North. It is a D&D podcast. Welcome to episode five. Today, I'm joined by a few special guests. I am Matt. Our illustrious leader, Ben, is not able to make it today. I play the character Ianros, the half-elf monk. Hi, this is Justin. I play Koth, the half-orc paladin. And this is Jason. I play Lindell, the halfling rogue. Other characters of note that we have in this campaign, we have Rika, a halfling druid, Swifty, the human wizard, and Deacon, the half-elf sorcerer. So as I said, this is episode five. Today is January 18th, 2022. And on this episode, we're going to be covering session eight. So we always start off our sessions every time we meet with some quick Dungeon Master tips. And I took a few notes. Our leader this time, he shared a couple of quick tips. One, he said, sometimes when you're speaking in character, it's always good to add a little bit of an inner monologue to your discussion because it may help other characters understand where you're coming from. Because sometimes we take an action and it confuses the other players because they don't really understand where it's, you know, where your head's at or, or some of that internal struggle you may be dealing with as a character. So it would be sort of like if you've ever watched lord of the rings and you've seen gimli somebody might say gimli just doesn't trust this person because they're an elf because we can't see the person acting it sometimes so we get a little bit of his background and information in from that inside of his head the other thing that came up out of this episode and and we talked a little bit about this during the last episode is crosstalk during more intense role-playing sessions Don't be afraid when you're stuck in a more intense role-playing session where the party and whether you're going to enter combat or or break down, you know, a, a difficult situation. Don't be afraid to call out if you need to take a timeout to step out of character. You know, sometimes if you're talking a bit in character and out of character, it can lead to some confusion amongst players and the GM. But consider building an agreement with the with the group as a whole on how you want to handle in character and out of character. Every group functions differently. Some characters, some people and some groups love to be in character the whole time. Others love to be a great mix of in character and out of character. And I think that's that's kind of where we live. We live in that uh, in between where sometimes we're really in character and other times we just have a lot of really fun banter at the table and it's it's sometimes difficult in those those situations to tell where somebody's at. Are they in character? Or are they out of character? Yeah. <laughs> so just think about it. Figure out as a group how you want to handle it. So that was our session tip for the day. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and dive right on in. We're going to talk about what happened in session eight. Justin, why don't you give a little recap of kind of where we left off and uh, kind of how we started out. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So at the start of session eight, the players were out on the tundra 
We had been following the great white moose that had been taken over by the Druid Revisen, and we had been following its tracks, which eventually also had some human tracks along with it, or giant wolf tracks, and we kind of are assuming at this point that we've been following Revisen, who had fled from the town that we had come from, to the north that we had come from. We just had this encounter with this massive white dragon, who thankfully did not eat us. And flew away, leaving us just, you know, with a flurry of snow in the middle of the tundra. As we start out, we are planning to continue following the tracks that we've been following. But it's the tundra, and it's cold, very cold, out just on the kind of open, snowy plains. Most of the party gets exhausted, uh, at least a point of exhaustion, as we are just trudging across the frozen north here. Thankfully, though, we the tracks that we were following were, were easy to follow. Really, at this point, all the snow that was on the ground, it was more of a sort of deep furrow through the snow that we were following more than tracks. So it was not difficult at this point to, to follow the tracks. I thought it was a nice touch, though, and, and I, I realize it's, it's kind of built into the campaign to see how cold it is and, and just... For the people that are listening to the podcast, I want you to understand we all we all pretty much live in Wisconsin. It does get cold. So we're used to the great white north and the cold, but I envision this as it's in that 40 below with wind wind chills like in the 60s. And it's stuff that even up here with the right gear, we don't want to go outside. And our yeah. party has been out there for hours and hours in this yeah. and ben ben takes the opportunity often i think when we're adventuring outside to to just convey how freezing cold it is and yeah i i agree with you matt like it's easily negative 40 if not colder in there yeah and this is you know obviously without sun for however long so it's there's no warmth to be found <laughs> so we we continue to follow these tracks and from what we can tell, they are continuing to head in just sort of a southern direction. And we're trudging along. At, at some point, I think, Matt, you tried to determine how far away we were really from our quarry. And I think you made some rolls, pretty good rolls. And we were kind of had a, a, a idea that we would be an hour or so behind the, the moose that we were following. Are you sure? Um, I noted four hours behind. Oh, interesting. In my notes. Yeah, I would think it was in that one to four hour range. I think oh. it was, I got a range. Oh, it says oh, one to it's... two hours old. The tracks are one to two hours old. Yeah, so. Right, yeah. 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 Sorry, I noted a couple to four hours behind. Yeah, interesting. Animals. Maybe we made a couple checks and it was different at different maybe, times. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could have been. I mean, yeah. apparently we weren't particularly good with directions those days. So. <laughs> we did decide to trudge on and continue following even though there was the risk of further cold and further exhaustion. And as we continued to follow, we stumbled across some undead creatures that burst out of the snow. A group of maybe 12 or 13 zombie kobolds more or less surrounded the party, just popped out of the snow, raised up out of the snow. And thankfully, the party was fairly spread out at this point. We learned our, we've learned some of our lessons to not bunch up as we're traveling and keep too tight of a formation, but there were enough kobolds that they still managed to pretty much surround the entire group. So that was our, our, our first big combat. 
I think the lesson there was that zombies are pretty difficult to kill. They're not easy to put down. Everyone was, I mean, it was multiple rounds of everybody attacking and, and hitting kobolds and just dealing tons of damage, and they would not go down. Yeah. I feel like this is a scenario where maybe even in character, out of character, however we want to do that, we've started to run into enough undead that we probably should be doing our homework, at least in character, and be like, yeah, you know, these zombies take forever. I wonder if we can figure out what tape makes them go down faster. It's, <laughs> it, it's sort of like one of those scenarios where if you know how to deal with the monster, it's trivial, right? I mean, it wasn't like they hit that hard, but there were just so many of them. We'd be like, bam, I pounded the heck out of that one, and it just shrugged it off. And had some great descriptions as we were fighting these things where, you know, somebody would crack the thing across the head and its head would loll and like hang from its neck. And and he had some some great graphic descriptions during this combat, I remember. Yeah, that was particularly fun. At one point, I did have a a moment of like we started fighting these things and I had a kind of, oh, yeah, I'm a paladin. Dealing with undead is kind of my thing. So it was a, maybe a round or two in before I was like, oh, yeah, I can, like, turn undead and, like, do all this stuff that I don't normally get to do. <laughs> so I think I did use a uh, a some type of a, a attack my smite, maybe, to do some radiant damage, which managed to actually kill one quickly. Can't do too many of those, unfortunately, but... Uh... Yeah, I did have that moment of, oh, yeah, how, how I, I'm the one that's supposed to do the stuff with the undead. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside of when you don't get to do it all that often. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Koth is, he's new to being a paladin. It's not like his first instinct to, like, you know, turn to his paladin powers, I think. He just wants to fight. That's what he's used to anyways, you know. So what you're saying is you need a level of barbarian in there somewhere. Ooh, now that's an interesting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we uh we did eventually get through the zombie kobolds though. I don't think anyone really got hurt. Do you guys remember? Uh, Not really badly. Didn't take much damage. So I think somebody, somebody was... needed a heal after the fight. Yeah. Brian took some hits. I think he maybe got even half down. Now that I think about it, like Lindell might have taken a couple points yeah. of damage i i think that. i had a note here that we took a decent beating and i and the only reason i said that was we couldn't really like in a traditional fight we would keep the casters in the back the casters could not stay away from them so no. yeah the casters weren't taking a ton of damage but they were taking like five here a couple there and you know yep. casters don't have that much health i mean for those of us with fairly decent uh, armor class, we're like, eh, they're barely touching us, but mm -hmm. the clothies were uh, having a few rough times <laughs> off and on. Yeah. the uh, I think, too, it's just, you know, because they were zombies, I mean, kobolds are supposed to be really a fodder kind of enemy. And sure, zombies might be a little tougher, but it just made the battle last that much longer. And that's, yeah. I think, too, why we were take, actually taking damage from what should have been a fairly easy encounter. But we took him out. We did it. Yay. Hooray. It was a bit and of a we, slog. Yeah. We, we, a it was, bit, a, it was yeah. a fun combat. It just took, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. And we continued to follow these tracks through the, through the, through the snow. Uh, I, I, sh I should say one thing I meant to mention about this combat, which I thought was cool during the combat, 
we kind of had to be restricted some to some degree to the path of the, tr- the trough through the snow. And if you moved outside of that trough too far, basically Ben enforced that you're in like deep snow. And so your movement was severely hampered, which I thought was just a cool way to bring that set the scene really well and say, there's an area where it's easy to walk, but you get too far out of this kind of narrow trough and you're having trouble moving. So one other cool thing. Also just to, to, to back it up right before that fight, when we had been pursuing, you know, the, the moose and the couple of wolves and, and Revisin, we did notice her footprints changed to a wolf as we had been going on. And then I think it was also at that time, like after that exhaustion hit, I think our druid Rika, she, she changed into a, what, a snow fox yeah. to just better deal with the harsh conditions and everything. But pretty much popped right back out of that into her, her, her normal form. Like at, when that cobalt battle started, yeah. but that was cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember it's kind nice of... when people can kind of use their abilities and make it a little bit easier on themselves. She, she was kind of looking through like originally, I think, did she say she wanted to at first turn into, Oh, something big, like a polar bear maybe or something. Brown bear. Yeah, it, she, <laughs> she hadn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I'm, I know druids can do bigger and bigger shapes as they get higher, but you know, her first instinct goes, "Oh, we could do polar bear." I'm like, yeah. "No, too many, too many hit points. You're gonna have to wait a few <laughs> levels there." Yeah, Ben had like restricted it to like you can only change into like um, a creature with a one quarter challenge rating, challenge rating or yeah. something. I think. I think it's level based, probably on the druid, True. something like yeah, that. Yeah, I believe sense. it is. Makes yeah. sense. So after that, Jason, why don't you take over for the... Sure. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we just continued on after, actually, we did apply previous lessons learned and (laughs) (laughs) took a short rest after that. We rested for a little while. I can't remember. We didn't make a fire, did we? Because we had no means to do so. No, Um, we didn't. Yeah. But we we just short rested for an hour. Um, like I remembered, like I didn't even recover a hit die because I hadn't taken too much damage in the combat. But I know a couple of us at least did. You know, get back up toward full and and uh, and get a little bit of rest in. And then we continued marching on, like following these these deep furrows in the snow, and you know, trying to catch up to seemed a little bit hopeless to me most of the time, but you know, just, we had to go somewhere. We couldn't just hang out out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, uh, you know, we can continued following Revisin and the, the other animals she was with. And all of a sudden then up ahead of us, we see a couple flying creatures that are approaching us in the, in the long distance, you know, at least a good, 120 or to maybe 140 feet away from us we see these flying things that appear to have a deer's head to them and you know the dm describes these to us they they have scaled body they didn't he didn't tell us what these were ever so we didn't figure out exactly what they were but these creatures with scaled bodies and this weird deer head with obsidian antlers and glowing eyes and you know they they appeared aggressive i believe that they won initiative against most of us and just their movement was 
frightening with, <laughs> uh, with their, their double movement they did on their first action because they flew up and they were just right up over pretty much the whole party. Again, we were applying lessons learned and we were spread out <laughs> a bit before this encounter started. But uh, actually, I think I, Lindell had won initiative in that and he kind of, you know, he felt a little bit threatened by these things. They, they look kind of aggressive. Uh, and, you know, we've dealt with some, you know, his first thought when learning of these obsidian with quotes around it, antlers, was that those antlers were made of chardolin, that that black material that we had, have that you know we've experienced encountered in 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 the game previously. So he moved up and fired at them. And I I can't remember if there was a solid hit or not, but they they flew up and were right over our party, thirty feet above us, and we were we were in the midst of combat then. So this was an, an interesting combat. It, it it introduced some interesting mechanics for dealing with flying creatures that we were fighting because that was kind of their default position was up in the air 25 30 feet above us which for some of us for the distance to you know make a ranged attack that that's about the length of of how far you can go without having a disadvantage on your attack roll i thought one cool thing about the combat was and uh, matt yanros like you don't really have any any means of a ranged attack right like you're pretty much a straight melee character but and i thought that your your strategy in that combat was great you just readied and waited and they were kind of hovering over you uh a a couple different times and just said if they come within range of me and swoop down i'm gonna attack them and that ended up doing some significant damage to them during that fight Uh, that was pretty cool they also were pretty painful when they did hit us because I, I, there were two different attacks that they got when they swooped down on us. One was with those antlers hitting us. And then the other was either a bite or, or hitting us with their hooves. I can't recall exactly. It's it's a talons attack. It's talons. Okay. I think the idea was they would swoop down, you know, make a charge, get you with the antlers and then try to rake you or grab you. As they flew with by. their with the talons on the way sure. back, like yeah. as they kind of went past you, which thankfully allowed you know <laughs> uh, Yanros to to take some actual hits and swings on because he was ready for them, just yeah. you know yeah. as they swooped down. But yeah, I was I was worried that the minis that Ben had, I don't know if he I, for, I was going to ask and I got distracted, but I don't know if he painted those himself, but. Those are some cool miniatures. Yeah. And I think that they were miniatures like for those exact creatures, whatever they were. They were pretty cool. But that that was a frightening combat for for <laughs> Lindell. And you know, I, he basically took the the tactic of using his bow to to make ranged attacks on them. Rika and Swifty had to kind of get up like right underneath them to be able to fire their spells at them and cough with the javelins <laughs> that was pretty didn't like you threw the javelins and they actually just got stuck in them literally yeah. and you you had were down a couple of javelins from that yeah. experience i like i well, the first one i attacked i was like all right well i think the first one i actually used the javelin i i used this sacred weapon ability to make it a little bit stronger and some and what that does is it powers up your weapon for like 
a minute or something like that. So I've got this glowing sacred spear javelin that I just powered up. I chuck it at the thing, and then you know, <laughs> I think I played it where like as a player, I was like, okay, and then I'll get my javelin back. But then like I was like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna get that back. And so I think I played it as like Koth is standing under this thing, waiting for his javelin to fall, and it just doesn't because <laughs> it's stuck in the stupid animal. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was a good hit. Yeah, though. I got him, but you it know. was. Yeah. Well, and as I recall, <laughs> these monsters also had damage resistance, so we oh, would hit them right. or something, and they, they would did, not yes. take as much damage yes. as we thought they should. I think they must have been. I mean, magical damage maybe did. Yep, full they damage seemed. Or something. I had noted they seemed resistant to non-magical weapons. Yeah. And as you know, we're not playing a Monty Hall campaign. <laughs> so we we do not have a wealth of magical, you know, weapons mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. No, we just yet, have so. four spellcasters or whatever, but <laughs> I, I don't know why that would help. <laughs> well, and I think was it was it that one that Swifty was trying to tell jokes to He he was. What give what is it, Tasha's hideous laughter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that that worked on them. <laughs> no, it didn't work on them. So, so interestingly enough, and and I actually did this the night of. I just didn't say anything. I googled. Google is my friend, so oh, I believe yeah. the creature is what's known as a periton. A periton is basically like a mix between an eagle and a a deer head. So, Ooh. it it's an interesting creature. So, it has some sure. interesting capabilities but but it's basically just like that so that's why the gm specifically had asked us what language are you saying it in because the thing can actually speak common and elvish oh it can't speak it can understand common and elvish but it can't speak oh interesting but yeah it's an interesting creature i i've never run into one and i've been playing dungeons dragons since there was no you know the original one that was released i think in the 70s and so um, no, I didn't play it in the 70s. I wasn't, <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> but I play, I, I think the original D&D was out for quite a while before they did advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So maybe it's just a uh, Forgotten Realms type creature. Yeah. And I don't think I ever did a lot of time in the Forgotten Realms. So this is, you know, a creature I've never run into. So that- I always love that. It's kind of neat to run into something that you're just like oh my god it makes me think of new tactics and how are we going to handle this yeah yeah for my character i'm kind of like lindell was i'm like feeling really kind of exposed because i'm sitting there going these things could literally just keep strafing me till i'm dead and i i don't i mean i could prep an attack which was the best i could do but nothing i felt like i could do beyond that because i don't carry a short bow i don't carry i mean i think i have a sling but like you said, sling. I'd be at extreme range for sling when all those things. So. You know, it, it makes me. It just made me think of this that using your kind of guard, your your holding your action tactic. Maybe what we should have done is just have all the melee people guard one of the casters against attack and let them fire off their stuff. And there's the one. They they're the ones that can't hit from range. And if we just acted as a guard for each of them and said, "Hold my action to protect if it attacks against them." Or me, or whatever, yeah. you know, that's... Yeah. I'm sorry, did I say that? Is it ready, or is it hold? Oh, I think it's ready. You ready yeah, in ready. action? Okay, okay. I said it wrong. <laughs> no, that's, just wanted to make sure I was saying it right. That is yeah. a really good idea, though. That would have been an intelligent tactical decision. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you know, hindsight. Well, yep. It, it usually takes us at least two or three times of screwing it up before sure. we learn, but we sure. get there someday. I mean, we were lucky with this. I mean, maybe not lucky, but maybe they just, they were not as strong as they appeared to be. It turned mm-hmm. out because we didn't have too awful difficult of a time with them. I think Rika healed Jan Ros up after the fight. Yeah. You know, we, but I, at least in my notes, I don't think we rested again after that fight. But yeah, we killed the two the two monsters pretty easily. Not no no massive losses or uh, no really close calls. But we did at least one of us check them out after the fight, and those obsidian looking antlers were not Shardolin. So, and if that is like a more just common creature, then okay, that kind of makes sense. Then they're just they're just obsidian. So didn't. Yeah. Didn't one of us take the head from one of those? I believe I somebody did. did. Yeah. <laughs> it was either the head or the antlers. Maybe just the antlers. <laughs> yeah. One of the somebody did it, I know, and I'm I remember that distinctly. Yeah, so check inventories I've... for who's got a deer head in their inventory. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be at least a good twenty or thirty pounds. So Lindell does not have that. <laughs> So yeah, after after that fight, uh, we kind of continued on the trail again. You know, we figured we're we figured we're going south, south east-ish, southeast to southwest some way. Uh, but Matt, I'll I'll hand it over to you to to pick up the the evening from there. So we finally broke out onto the road and realized that apparently our pathfinding is not particularly as strong as we thought it was. <laughs> after all this time, we've we find that we're not very far out of care Dinevel, which is pretty much mostly West from where we were. So apparently we didn't bother to look to our left, which is where we should have seen the giant mountain where the dwarves hang out. <laughs> so we, we, we thought we were heading almost due South. We thought we were almost to, you know, the four corners, which is basically a, a crossroads that let, would have put us close to one of the southern cities but we were very off target so we were near care Deneval. so from my character's perspective you know i knew we were going to come up this way eventually but i thought it was i would have a little bit of let's just say mental time to prepare in my character's backstory i actually grew up in care Deneval. so i'm not originally from care Deneval, but that's where i grew up and, uh, because i originally was in care Connor. sorry sorry so, matt just to just to mention uh, we hit the road and we had lost the trail at that point. We yeah, could not we, follow we couldn't the figure it out any further past there. Sorry, I just wanted to, to mention no, that. No, that's a that's a great point. So we we just basically had to make a decision. And since we realized we were so far off target, we're like, it's too cold. We can't stay out here any longer. Let's just go to a town. We can figure out if we want to pick up the tracks afterward. That's a great call out though. So we ended up in Cardinaval. And basically, we we checked out the inn, but unfortunately, the inn has closed due to the fact that this town is so reliant on the southern towns for business. And it's so cold. Nobody's really going up north anymore. There's no need for them to come up north. So they rely on the ferries and they rely on all these things that just flat out don't exist right now in this bitter cold. So... 
the inn is closed. The inn was, for background information for the group, is basically a woman I had been in love with. Her father owned that inn. So the inn is closed. We we went to the bar because, hey, what does every good adventuring party do? When there's nothing better to do, you go to the bar and you get warm. <laughs> you drink because you oh, need we, to get we warm. We so to booze. Get warm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just just warmth that had nothing to do with no, the alcohol. No, 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 no. I swear. So, so yeah, we we ended up making our way to the bar, and I find, of course, the the woman that I had been in love with a long time ago. She's actually working in this bar, so that that led to led to some interesting scenarios. You know, when you're, uh, you know, you're you're going through your head and your backstory, and your backstory says, you know, you kind of fell in love with this woman, but then you left her so that you could go chase this bigger you know danger to the world but you know in your mind you're like oh i'm you know i've still got this kind of love in the back of your head for her and then you know there's this part of me out of character that's like i can't tell if my character should feel like i'm coming back with more wisdom and i'm realizing she's just a flirty barmaid and i shouldn't <laughs> have been that love and enamored or if it's just because the gm is no offense, he's a dude, and so he's probably not as good at the flirting women to guy thing. <laughs> so it was an interesting dynamic because I'm like, I'm not sure where I want to go with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we 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 gathered some information. We got the party warm, got rid of a little we didn't get a chance to get rid of our exhaustion because we do need to rest at this point, but we spent a bunch of time trying to figure out where we could stay gathering information trying to figure out what's going on in the area we know that there's a lot of problems because the the ferries shut down i i think the irony of this is we know the ferries shut down but we know the guy who ran the ferries because we helped him out in the previous town <laughs> helped him out yeah helped his uh, well some, i use the term, term loosely yeah. We did save his life, I think. We did save his life, but also caused <laughs> him some difficulties. <laughs> just just because we broke down his door and we left it so that it doesn't lock. I, I don't know if that counts as a, you know, I mean, we were just trying to be helpful, I swear. Well, he has a criminal record now, too, so don't, did get arrested. <laughs> we, we found out that there's some definitely some weirdness going on with the local speaker, but the local speaker has been known to host people and this is a little bit of a bigger town it's definitely not as big as some of the southern towns but i mean they've got their own keep and there's there's definitely a fortified position mm -hmm. so you know we'd heard from people in the town that it was a good place to go so we we headed over to the where the speaker is and i figured hey great opportunity we've got Koth here he's the speaker of good mead here's an opportunity for us to maybe build better relations between good mead and get on the good side of a good another speaker as well as i don't know getting more mm. we go by the by the keep and yeah look at that it's all locked up and we run into bob bob the guard bob the gate yeah. guard i learned to speak <laughs> sometime today and bob wasn't terribly helpful i mean bob just kept insisting that the speaker wasn't well they didn't need our help. We're like, guys, I, I brought a druid. I brought a paladin. We can heal anything. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need your help. Go the hell away. 
something's fishy. Yeah, there's definitely something fishy going on there. I agree with you, Jason. The, uh, the speaker, the whole line that we were fed was that the speaker was apparently too sick to see or talk to anyone. And it may have, it's maybe been this way for a little while from what Allie had told us, the, 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 the waitress. Yeah. So that definitely seems odd. I agree. Something to look into. Well, and, and Allie had told us that, yeah, nobody had seen the speaker for two months, which is also when the ferry had shut down yep. from East Haven. And, you know, it's, th- their excuse was that we have our own healers. Don't, don't come in. That was, something's not right here. And yeah. then Matt thought to kind of, I mean, you, you asked, you, you grew up here and basically we're, you don't know any of these guys, right? No, that was the most interesting thing. So their, their head guy, I believe was called Boss Kedroth. Yeah. Kedroth. Yep. And what was interesting, because we asked around a little bit, is these guys were brought in to deal with some of, they had had a few attacks in the area. So these are mercenaries or something. And they were brought in to deal with, I believe they'd had some animal attacks, which I'm assuming is similar to the moose that we ran into. And they'd also had attacks from the Reghead Raiders. So the Regheads, for anybody who, who doesn't know this area, basically are some barbarian tribes that live up on the glaciers to the north. So they they were there before this was just nothing but frozen all the time. So they're used to living on the glaciers, but you know, this group had been brought in to deal with those attacks and it was definitely weird because now they're like holed up in this camp and they're locked themselves into the, the keep for lack of better term. So, and you know, also I, I had noted that the, the, the reg heads that were attacking the town were kind of odd. They seemed, you know, rabid almost. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's worth noting that um, our sorcerer Deacon is a reghead but from descriptions we've heard of these ones and also at some point in the past in the campaign like there seem to be like these defector regheads or I, I don't know if they're undead or or what but they're not quite the normal ones mm-hmm. that that deacon is is familiar with i think we learned about them back when we were in the there was like a tomb of some ancient elves back near Goodmead that we went back to and learned a little bit about. I feel like that's where we, maybe even Brian was talking about these crazy versions of Regheads that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, could have been during then, but originally I had gotten the story out of my uncle in East Haven of yes. that's how my parents had died oh, right they right. had died to reghead raiders but they were like they were kind of similar in a way to Sephic that they had this kind of blue eyes and like very weird skin and they weren't typical reghead raiders so it's interesting though because they, like there's all these threads everywhere and they're starting to stitch together a little a bit, little bit yeah. and yeah that's you know, cool. we're, I like feel like we're just on the tip of finding out new critical information. Yeah. So, you know, we had to make a decision at that point. There's really no place to go. We can't stay at the inn. We can't stay at the the captain. So I'm 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 gonna say in a 
a little bit of a, I feel like I had to tuck my tail a little bit and had to go back to the bar and ask the, the barmaid that I had been dating uh, previously that if the whole party could stay with her. So I feel a little bit bad at this point because we're, you know, I'm imposing a, like six people on her and her family. So, you know, and I know her father, I mean, he lost his job. I mean, he lost his business, so they can't have a, a full wealth of information or money. So we're kind of dumping on them. But, you know, she took us in and that's kind of where we ended the session. So, with a much needed long any, rest. <laughs> yes, with a much needed long rest. Any other points you think we missed, guys, or, or things you wanted to highlight from our travails inside of Care Denival? Yeah, in terms of kind of role playing highlights, uh, Matt, you you had some good moments interacting with Allie. Uh, I thought role playing wise, where I, from my perspective, I could I felt like you had a kind of conflicted discomfort with meeting here again, and I was. I interpreted that as like, yeah, you've had this relationship in the past, but you've moved on to these bigger and better things. And is this the right thing to do? It would make most uncomfortable. It was a little uncomfortable. She's like, oh, I'm going to give you guys the special drink that I know is super expensive and she's not charging us yeah. for it. So I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I've got to give her like five gold just to make sure that she's not putting herself in the poor house. <laughs> Yeah. How about you guys? Any uh cool moments? You know, I as as we had discussed prior to to jumping on the session here, you know, it 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 was a different session. It was a little different for us because it was combat heavy. You know, those two big combats we had they took a while, and you know, then we followed it up in Cardenaval with uh, like a bit of role playing and kind of figuring out where you know positioning for the start of the next session really well, I feel like. But during one of those combats, so myself and Justin, the players controlling Lyndall and Koth, as humans, we, uh, you know, outside of the game, sitting there at the table, we were we were talking about beer. Uh, I, I can't remember the details of the conversation, but it was during someone else's turn, so kind of a little bit shame on us for, for not being quiet and and paying attention to the other uh, player's turn but and then one of us got attacked and hit by uh, i think it was the kobolds uh when this happened and we just kind of like ended up intertwining that into the 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 role playing of the game and that the actual the actual two player characters were were talking about that and we made a couple funny remarks and that was i had a, a good laugh at that yeah yeah then we just decided cough and Linda were actually talking about beard during the combat <laughs> getting a little distracted <laughs> they were kobolds i mean you didn't think it could be that bad could yeah. you <laughs> yeah i i think the highlight for me is one that you you mentioned justin which was really ben's descriptions of how the zombies reacted and, and like the heads. And I mean, it was just so classic, like great zombie stuff, but he was just so descriptive yeah. with that. There were some comical and, and things just, too that were, he did oh, an awesome it job. Hoot. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of really fun like that. So, I mean, so what do you, what do you guys think about like things that we learn? I mean, sometimes, you know, we make mistakes or, or, or tips that, that we kind of, came across with this what are some things that you think 
kind of come to mind. Yep. For me, this session was just at least some proof that we are learning from some of the mistakes we've made in the past. One that, that I think was a good evidence for that is when we were confronting, or when we went to go talk to the guards at the castle and they just refused to let us in, we were demanding to talk to the speaker. You know, Matt, you were you were kind of talking to them at that point. And I think your your instinct is to go aggressive with those kind of situations and like, hey, we're a big, strong adventuring party. We can put, you know, put our muscle to play here and, and get our, and talk these guys down. But we have had bad success with that in the past, especially in Targos, when we were trying to strong arm the speaker's assistant <laughs> to get a, an audience with the speaker of Targos. So I applaud your caution in this <laughs> instance. Uh, so we learned a lesson that we can't always uh, force our way into places. And we may have to come up with a sneakier plan or a different kind of plan for figuring out what's what's going on there. Yeah, that could be a fun next well, session, I think, when we figure out what we want to do there. What about you, Jason? You know, kind of just ex- expanding on what Justin had to say. You know, it it doesn't feel like we made too many mistakes in in this session, right? It feels more like we better applied, you know, what we've learned, you know, we, we kind of were approaching our travel in a more spread out manner. Not that I think had we been closely grouped up in the couple combat encounters we got into, I don't think that we would have had anything adversely affect us. Like when we found that, what that Banshee in the forest that, that knocked so many of us down, but like, you know, it, it it feels like that's a bit of a, a slightly wiser way to travel. And, you know, I mm-hmm. like I've noted here, when in doubt, rest if you can, you know, and and it's it's definitely something that I think we've learned uh, from the past. And I mean, shoot, had we not rested after that kobold fight and then we continue, you know, follow on the trail and it's like, I mean, we expected to maybe run into Revisin, so like. I think that maybe influenced us to rest, but I mean, we we still got into an encounter, and it was a good thing that we had had recovered some of our health for that. So yeah, it was it 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 was a mostly mistake free session. I think. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think we're learning from it, and we're thinking more strategically with our characters now that we're getting new abilities. I, I think the thing that I I took away so so this occurs to me, of course, after we're done with the session and I was just sitting here and the the thing that I say is sometimes be more specific with your questions. And I should have stared at the map and I should have been like, Oh, I I can get my bearings. And, you know, I, I feel like we got way off course crossing the tundra and, and actually we still wanted to follow her, but we were so convinced we were heading South. And, and my brain says, if I just thought to ask the question, where's the damn mountain in the north because i know them and i'd be like oh the mountain's over there so we must be heading west if i thought to ask more specific questions i might have had a clue that we were heading the other direction so you know it's it's just kind of one of those things and and sometimes it's just it could be me not understanding i know it's really cold but that cold is probably partially from a constant blowing wind and anybody who's lived in in a very cold area will know that can really set you up for blizzard-like conditions. And blizzard-like conditions, I would never see the mountain anyways. So, 
it's, it's entirely possible we didn't, but I remember distinctly a few times when we were traveling, there weren't, there was still wind, but it wasn't like blizzard. It was more like just cold. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be able to, don't be afraid to think about what you know and apply it. So if you're like, Hey, there's this really giant landmark and I'm trying to figure out if we're heading North, South, East mm -hmm. or West. Well, yeah. Ask about that landmark. Don't be afraid to say, I know I don't have survival, but <laughs> I can figure out where the stupid mountain maybe, is. And so. maybe like you can facilitate that for yourself by just stopping, kind of, you know, close your eyes and envision like, where am I? What's it look like around us? You know, what's, you know, what's my environment look like and everything. And, you know, it might lead you to that more specific question. That's a good, that's a good yeah, point, Matt. Yep. Yeah, so any final comments from you guys before we wrap up here tonight? Nope. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the next session. Yeah. You know, I'm, I am excited to figure out what's going on with this speaker in this town. And if we need to sneak into the castle or figure out what to do, I think that we should uh, come up with a cool plan coming into the next session. There's I a lot agree. of, a lot of, a lot of things we can do. I think I, I'm a little worried that we lost track of her vision, but I, don't think it'll be the last we see of her so <laughs> i don't think we have we'll have a problem and she will come to us somehow i'm <laughs> sure this will happen in the future yeah i think before this next session like i personally i will i intend to try and like get some planning done ahead of time you know like on the discord before we we actually sit down at the table so we have some idea of a direction to go so we don't sit there and kind of you know like everybody gives their opinion and options or anything it would probably be good to to kind of figure that out uh ahead of time a little bit so i'm gonna make an effort for that it's a good that is a good idea yeah at least it gives people the opportunity to throw their ideas on the table before we get there and sort of at least mull them over and think about it before we spend an hour in real time yeah. Yes. Yeah. so all right well we're going to call that a wrap for today's episode of tales of the cold north we appreciate you listening and we look forward to sharing more of our adventures with you thank you so much for listening make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts oh and by the way give us a like on our facebook page and don't forget to follow us on twitter Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn it. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out. <laughs>